Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I am very good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm excited because we have exited the 70s where we've been (laughs) finally where we've been for the past month or so yeah probably a little longer than that actually at least on and off and we have rocketed all the way up to present day more or less well the recent past we're now in the future the past has occurred (laughs) and we will be doing we've also rocketed way up the list too this is the first time we've been this high on the list in a while we we are covering today Number nine, 2020's The Invisible Man. I'm actually curious how many people actually saw this because of when it came out, but it was on, it came to to streaming, I think, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, And it was on HBO for a while. So hopefully people have seen it because, spoilers, I think it's great. (laughs) Um, It is number nine, as I said, it has a 91% Rotten Tomatoes score. Wow. Um, It is one click higher than a quiet place which sure um but yeah let's uh had you seen before we watched it i had not this this kind of i missed it i think it came out and i wanted to see it but i was uh jet setting and traveling internationally Mm. uh and then when i got home it was a pandemic yes yes this was actually the last movie i saw in the theater before everything shut down shit uh it's not a not a bad one to go out on i think yeah actually um, this one seems like it might be so i I, not to get too into it before we do our intro mm -hmm. material but i liked it i feel like it maybe was more effective in the theater yeah it was i'm excited to, to talk more about like your your view of it contrasting the two experiences yeah i i thought it was a very good theater movie and we we can definitely talk about that um but yeah we're gonna take a quick break And then we're going to talk about The Invisible Man. Adrian? He was a sociopath. He said that I could never leave him. He controlled how I looked and what I wore. Then I was controlling when I left the house. And eventually, what I thought. to be invisible.
show yourself! Surprise! Let me help you. You can't help me. All right, The Invisible Man from 2020, directed by Lee Wanell, written by Lee Wanell, starring Elizabeth Moss, Oliver Jackson Cohen, Harriet Dyer, Aldous Hodge, Storm Reed, Michael Dorman, Zeus the Dog, Aww. and unfortunately, not John Cena. <laughs> Amanda, what happens in The Invisible Man? After staging his own suicide, a crazed scientist uses his power to become invisible to stalk and terrorize his ex-girlfriend. When the police refuse to believe her story, she decides to take matters into her own hands and fight back. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty solid synopsis. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It pretty much covers everything. Yeah. Well, uh, some things you will find in this movie include, Claire. Mm-hmm. Uh, height-based displays of newly acquired wealth. What a, what a way to just rub it into people's faces. <laughs> immediately (laughs) is by handing them a ladder and say this is where i am now high above you get on my level yeah yeah Yeah. and then go to fashion school (laughs) parsons for everyone (laughs) um a restaurant that does things a little bit different i i almost put that actors i wanted to find the actor who plays that uh, the waiter, waiter and put him great. in the starring because that was a very underrated performance oh, my god of someone i don't even think we see his face i can't remember if we see his face but i mean we might briefly but it's not the point and, you see and a, you don't need to you don't need to see his face you see a fully ridiculously tattooed arm like forearm yeah. and that is all you need perfect casting perfect performance yes. great character yes uh <laughs> And the email everyone wants to write their sibling, but no one ever actually sends. Yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone's got that one draft. Oh, yeah. Somewhere deep in your email thing that just says, do yeah. not send in the subject or something. Right, right. Whether it's in your email or, you know, in a carefully hidden notebook you keep in your bedroom so your brother can't <laughs> find it. Yep. Um. Yeah. I. You know, I don't think I, I've never written an, a letter like that to, to, to my sister oh i've definitely in 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 private written letters Mm. like that to my older brother not for a very long time but back when we were both teenagers and we were both horrible human beings i think i may have done it to someone else and never sent it (laughs) there might be one of those somewhere but not a sibling yeah yeah so um the uh the fun bit of trivia about this movie is obviously this is sort of a uh cast off of universal's failed attempt to start a uh, cinematic universe or the dark universe as they were calling it <laughs> which was supposed to initially start with the movie Dracula Untold uh-huh. but that bombed yes. and so they had to well this time we're really going to start it with uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy oh gosh which also bombed yeah. I would like to say Tom Cruise's The Mummy usually when I'm sick I like to watch movies that I'm not I wouldn't normally yeah. watch Yeah, because it's like why not even at that point I fast forwarded through about 75% of that movie because it was so boring. Yeah. It's just not not great. Yeah. Um, and then they scrapped that whole idea. Originally, The Invisible Man was uh, going to be written written and directed by somebody else. 
starring Johnny Depp as the uh, Invisible Man. Oh, that's right. And so this has no connection to that stuff, but I guess it was already in the pipeline, so they kind of reworked it. something, yeah. And not to get on a soapbox here. He just stood on a soapbox, everyone. Let me just get out of my... Up on the podium, yep. Okay. Um, I've been saying for years, as soon as I saw that they were doing this Dark Universe thing, I said, no, you don't throw money at these things and turn them into gigantic spectacle things. Yeah. Everybody's doing that. Yep. Go the other way. Do smaller movies that are legitimately scary. Make the universal monsters mean something again and not mm-hmm. just make them CGI tentpole garbage fests. <laughs> and you're going to get a better product. And that's exactly what they did in this movie. And I think it worked very, very well. Yeah. Yeah, and this this movie's kind of a prime candidate for that style of filmmaking and that lower budget because you mm-hmm. can do so much with just the absence of anything. Right. Like yeah. an empty room in this movie is is scarier and has more impact than a lot of money you could have thrown into special effects. Yeah, and I guess the um the special effects that they did do was a combination of of state of the art stuff and, you know, hanging shit on wires and whatnot. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they do, you know, Lee Whannell, I believe, is one of the co-creators of Saw, I think. Mm-hmm. And so he has a long history in the genre. Um, he and, and the other guy there, whose name escapes me from Saw, they both yeah. have long histories. The, the other guy is the guy who did the uh, Insidious and uh, The Conjuring and stuff. Yes. And despite what Saw has become, clearly these guys have a good sense of um, environment based yeah. horror oh yeah because the best stuff in insidious or the conjuring God, is I love the conjuring yeah the conjuring is great and it's a lot of environmental like house room stuff like dark yep. corners it's actually one of the things that i really like about the conjuring is that i feel like they digitally make the corners of rooms extra dark so yeah. you can't actually see what's going on and occasionally there is something in those corners right. but right. it's so dark that it's almost like you it would almost be wasted, except that you do get that kind of vague feeling of something there. Yeah. And in this one, they do the opposite, where yes. there's so much open space, mm-hmm. and it is so bright, and like all the lights are on. It has the same effect, but it's just the, like the negative reverse effect, where you are still scanning every corner of the room. Because you know yeah. it's the Invisible Man. There's a guy who yeah. you can't see doing stuff. Eventually, he's going to do something. <laughs> and I think it just... I think it works... It's. I think this movie overall is a very clever, very well done update of a of a classic story. They found a way to give it a modern spin. Yeah. Um. Make it a relevant story. Yeah. By changing the uh, main character to uh, uh, Elizabeth Mo- Elizabeth Moss there, and uh, yeah, I just think it's really good. Yeah, I I think this works really well because it feels modern, like you were saying. It feels mm-hmm. timely. But it doesn't feel like it's shoving it down your throat. That right. it's like this isn't this this movie is like a very feminist movie, but it's mm-hmm. not like screaming at you the whole time. Like this is a feminist horror movie. This is a feminist opus. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. more just like yeah, we all know that like creepy invisible guy stalking you is scary. Right. Like that. Just it's it's very relatable. Even if you've never been in that 
situation. Mm. And the brilliant thing it does is it makes your mind do half of the work of the movie. Right, yeah. Like, just just by not putting something in every shot or not having something happen, Mm -hmm. it makes your brain try to fill in, like, oh, did I just see something? Did I see something over there? And then there are those moments where things do move seemingly on their own or something does happen. And like at first, the first couple, I I was like, did that just happen? Like you see it, but you almost, you doubt yourself. Yeah. Which is cool because it puts you in the, in the shoes of Elizabeth Moss's character. Yeah. And I think the really smart thing they did was, um, they took a concept that traditionally is a pretty straight sci-fi concept of a guy takes a, potion that turns him invisible and uh-huh. you know he starts wreaking havoc and eventually going crazy and they made it they turned the invisible man <clears throat> excuse me into a, this metaphor for escaping this uh abusive relationship yeah. so it's not just that there is literally a guy who's invisible uh-huh. there's also the PTSD of someone who is legitimately afraid of her for her life of the of her partner that yeah. she's escaped from and even before the invisible, actual invisible man shows up, you still get that tension because she's afraid that someone yeah. might be there, even if you know the, she's being reassured, reassured that there isn't. Absolutely, yeah. That that opening scene, for instance, I love. I love that kind of thing because they just drop you right into it, uh-huh. where she's escaping from her boyfriend. They don't need to explain anything. You get yeah. it immediately. What's going on? Yeah, you're not like. Like there's a there's a few seconds immediately at the beginning where you're sort of like, wait, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. But as soon as you realize that she has dosed him with something and she's grabbing a go bag and she's sneaking out of the house, you're like, oh, okay, I get this. Yeah, and I think I think they do a good job of making it clear that she's escaping and not yes. because she's stealing anything. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, she's very frightened about setting things off. She's not taking anything with her. Exactly. And yeah. then if even, that was enough. She even creeps through his like lab with all of his high tech doodads. Right. And she doesn't touch a thing. She's right. just like, I got to get out of here. And if that wasn't enough, they really cement it after she gets in the car and he comes running out of the woods and punches yeah. through the window, which is very, very good. Yeah. No, I mean, th- I will. I will say this movie as as someone who uh, who has an ex who, way back in the day after we broke up, uh, tried to force his way into my apartment. Really? And uh, found me at a tea stop in Boston and confronted me on the street. Oh my god! Uh, and pretty much like lightly stalked me for uh, nine months to a year. Mm-hmm. This is very realistic, <laughs> in a weird way. Like it's obviously very sci fi horror-y, but like. The feelings that Elizabeth Moss's character, uh, Cecilia, mm-hmm. like uh, her level of paranoia and her sort of jumping at every shadow and like her being convinced that he's somewhere even before we as an audience get any evidence of that. Yeah. I mean, it reads as pretty real. Yeah. Yeah. And even after she finds out that he's dead, I mean, she doesn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and this is all well before any legitimate Invisible Man stuff is happening. Exactly. And I really I really loved that part because, I, again, I feel like it was really realistic, like, emotionally, mm-hmm. because she doesn't have this reaction of, like, whew, all right, oh, thank God, that creep's dead, I'm safe. 
hooray, this is over and I'm inheriting a bunch of money. Like, mm-hmm. she's not happy about it. She thinks it's a trick. Well, even even beyond that, she's like, even when she's first told, she goes and she sits in, in the bathroom on the floor by herself and like, right. she has mixed feelings about it because it's like, you ha- it, I liked that because it gave some level of, of realism to the fact that she had been in a relationship with this person mm-hmm. for years. Like they, they had been in love there. There was an actual emotion there, mm. um, which kind of can prove why it's so hard to leave abusive relationships sometimes. And to their credit, the movie never shows you him being explicitly evil to her. Like <clears throat> there's even in that final scene, there is a little bit of ambiguity as to whether or not he's telling her the truth. So there's, it's, it doesn't go so far as to make him this mustache twirling villain that he's, Oh, clearly he's this awful, awful guy. It's very realistic. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Other people are kind of like, even the sister who comes and picks her up, she's like, what is going on? Why did you want me to come meet you in the middle of the night? What's happening? It's like, nobody really suspects that he's this abusive partner. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also works because it like a, that's, that's, that's true. Like people are in abusive relationships all the time and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Right. Um, but I think it also does this great thing where it never turns her abuse into spectacle. Right. Like we, even when they fight physically, he's invisible. So (laughs) we're never we're never shown her getting beaten by her boyfriend mm-hmm. for entertainment. Right, right. Which I think yeah. is actually a really good way to handle this because I could see this being a tough movie for like anybody who's had like a shitty abusive mm. family member or partner or whatever in their lives. Like I could see this being kind of hard to watch, but like because it doesn't kind of just turn that abuse into fodder for like the audience yeah. to kind of like be like ooh look this guy is slapping her around it's yeah like, it, it keeps it away from that exploitative edge that's interesting i hadn't i hadn't really considered that that do you find that it, doing that makes it easier to watch or i sh- if not easier to watch mm-hmm. easier to um I don't know if sympathize with is the right word, but like I know I know what you're saying. Yeah. Where it's like as soon as you're actually showing a abusive partner actively abusing their partner, <laughs> um, I think that can make it really real for a lot of people in a way yeah. that not that this isn't real because she's clearly still being abused, but obviously right. there's a little bit of suspension and disbelief here. Sure, um, but I don't think. It almost it almost feels like it makes it a little bit more universal. Yeah. Because you're not seeing somebody specifically doing it. Exactly. But it still has the same meaning as far as like the the story goes and and yeah. what has happened to this person. Yeah, and it's clear without showing those like very violent or very explicit like like you know, her, even when her sister asks her at some point like, "Well, what did he do to you? Like what mm-hmm. happened?" And she talks about it in terms of control mm. rather than the actual things he did to assert that control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that works because you as an audience member, 
it's it's obvious he's 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 abusive and he's a shitty boyfriend like mm-hmm. you know at the very opening sequence when she creeps out and he comes after her and he smashes the car window and tries to drag her out the window while they're driving away you're like all right i know right away that this guy is not a good guy right um and then based on her behavior like it it, it sort of lets her experience stand on its own Mm -hmm. so that she and her feelings aren't being fully just defined purely by what he does to her. Mm -hmm. It's just letting her exist in, in sort of the aftermath of it and, and the like process of trying to come out of that relationship and to cope with it and to find some sort of footing beyond it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still, you pretty much what I'm saying is you don't need to see him punch her in the face to get the point. It's, it is a really, um, intelligent way I think to handle this stuff because I I don't even even in the points when she's powerless and it, talking yeah. about her how how powerless she is and or was they're never giving any power to the guy right you know it's all through her it's all her experience yeah. it's like you're saying it's it's she's not being specific but it's clear that stuff has happened so it's she has been given the power of the situation to express what happened. And, and again, even, even when she's actually getting assaulted and, and attacked, right? it's not, you're not seeing a big, strong guy yeah. doing it. It's, it's just this other un, un, inhuman kind of force thing. Yeah. And you're more like, even just visually, you're more focused on her and her efforts to like evade and escape him than you are on him. Mm. Like, his whole presence is an absence in the in in this movie and it's like the what he might do is much scarier mm. than what he does do at any given moment yeah it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a th- a thoughtful handling of the stuff that yeah. i am I, I don't think i fully considered the first time i watched it but now that we're talking about it, it's like it's really impressive yeah it really is cuz it never feels um <clears throat> like like shock jockey or exploitative yeah. like it, it 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 feels it's still scary and there are still some great just like scary movie moments in it so there's still that level of entertainment you can get out of it but it never crosses that line into like oh you're just gonna watch this movie if you want to watch elizabeth moss get the shit beaten out of her for right. two hours like it's not the movie's not about that like it's much more psychological yeah, and like even as far as you don't even really know who was attacking her until well, I mean you yeah. you kind of know, but like there's I think there's a different version of the of this movie where he talks more. Yeah, yeah, or like whispers to her in yeah. the dark kind of thing. And there's a little bit more um emphasis given on who is actually doing this yeah which obviously in this there is but it's later and it's more of a plot thing than anything else right but, right right no uh, but <laughs> my uh my husband said while we were watching this he was like so is this just gaslighting the movie and i was like yeah <laughs> kind, kind of, of. Actually, like yes. the, the first half of it is is very much in that realm where it's the like he's convincing her that what she's feeling and what she's experiencing is not true Mm -hmm. and that she's losing her grip on reality and that she can't trust her own thoughts and she can't trust her own instincts and that she's making it up in her own head. Mm. Like that's the scary part of the beginning of this movie is that like that 
feeling of not being sure of whether or not you can believe yourself and you can believe your own perceptions of what's happening to you. Right. And one of the scariest things that I didn't appreciate the first time Mm -hmm. is that she gets the letter to inform her that he's dead at her safe house. Yeah. Which means he knew she was there the whole time. Yeah. Because the sister didn't tell anybody where she was. And I don't think James there told anybody. So it's like, it's even this little bit of a power play where it's like, he knew she was there the whole time. Yeah. Maybe he was there invisibly messing with her at that point too. I don't know. We don't get into that. But um, one of the things I do really appreciate about this is I do think there is another version of this movie where um, it is all gaslighting. Yeah. And there is no. Yeah. There's, I think, like an indie low budget version of this where yeah. it's it's more, it's the same kind of story, but it is, it is more, uh, not a literal invisible man, but a metaphorical invisible yes. man and gaslighting. I, it, it makes me so happy that this movie <laughs> is like, nope, we're going to deliver on the title and yep. give you an invisible man. Yep. No, I, I appreciate that too. And I'm usually all for the like semi-pretentious low-budget indies that do that kind of shit Mm -hmm. um but in this case i'm very for it that this doesn't become just like a oh turns out she was a paranoid schizophrenic all along like that would just be like well that's just sad (laughs) right you know what i mean there's no catharsis to that there's no like hey this is a fun horror movie to watch where there's like you know, moments where you doubt your protagonist, but then it all comes together in the end and you get this cool, like, enemy to fight. Yeah, like, which I think they they walk the line. I mean, they are pretty literal in, in what's being done to her, but yeah. I think they walk the line pretty well as far as could this all maybe be a manifestation? Like I said, she's there's a lot of stuff happening to her that we see happen to her that implies that it is very much not a manifestation of her own head but yeah i think you if you wanted to you could probably spin it that way sure i, th- I think for me it, it was pretty obvious pretty quickly yeah i i don't think i ever really yeah I, well, way, well i think but. the thing that really did it for me is like pretty early like, this is a long movie this is a two is. hour yeah. two hour plus movie mm-hmm. um and there's a moment in that first 30 to 30 minutes to an hour where she's cooking in the kitchen mm-hmm. and the teenage girl is uh, in the other room. And then uh, Cecilia leaves the room and you see the flame on the stove turn up mm-hmm. and you see the kitchen knife disappear. Yeah, I missed the kitchen knife this time. I believe in the theater yeah. I remember seeing that, but I, I missed it. it yeah. I, I had a moment where I was like, all right, that kitchen knife just moved and is gone now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had to like confirm with Greg that like I saw what I thought I, I did see what I just thought I saw, mm-hmm. which is another it's a great trick that this movie plays on you oh, yeah. to put you in that position of doubting yourself and being paranoid. Um, but because that happened in an empty room that made me be like, oh, okay, this is going to be an actual guy in a suit. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they had done it from her point of view, 
where it was or like an over the shoulder kind of shot where like she put the kitchen knife down she turned to the stove she mixed up the mushrooms or whatever she's cooking on the stove she turns back and the knife is gone i'd be more like okay we're seeing this from her point of view Mm -hmm. so is it that she just put it somewhere else or she moved it or somebody did something when she was you know what I mean? It would yeah. it would make me cast more doubt on her perception, but having it be in this like neutral space with no character there, I was like, no, that actually happened. Yeah, you know I, mean? I think I think one of the things that I I, I I um occurred to me more as I was watching it this time is like this movie kind of has a lot of paranormal activity built into it because that's interesting because that scene in in particular in the kitchen mm-hmm. very much feels like a scene from paranormal activity where it it's did. it's a static camera yeah wide shot yep. like very wide you see yeah. the whole room people are doing stuff and then they leave but the camera hangs out and then something in the middle or background just mm-hmm. goes kind of weird yeah that's like paranormal activities bread and butter yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of that stuff in this movie that they do to really great effect. Um, Absolutely. Whether yeah. it's that scene or, uh, as you pointed out when we were watching it, there's a lot of humanoid looking things in yeah. the background that yeah. are just like... Even the, the, the plot point that the, the daughter, uh, Sydney wants to go to fashion school mm-hmm. so there's all of these dress forms and mannequins and, and, and that's, stuff that, all that's around a great, the house that's a great little jump scare when they yeah. cut to the mannequin yes because for a second <laughs> it takes you a second to, to clock what it is and it's like oh my god there's a person there. and the movie has primed you to be looking for like vaguely human shapes in yeah. the background the whole time mm-hmm. so yeah it's 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 a it's, a, it's they do use it to really good effect and they do they do something similar to what um I really liked about the innkeepers Mm. and what I thought they had a really good understanding of in the innkeepers, which is they, they understand that the deeper the space, the scarier it is. Yeah. And it's not about being, it's being outside of the space looking in that is scarier than being inside the space looking out. Yeah, that's true. So you've got these deep rooms like that house that they're in. Mm -hmm. It's a big ass house. Like if you really look at the way that house is laid out, Big living room, huge yep. kitchen, yep. long hallway with doors off yep. off of it and Upstairs, stuff. Upstairs, lots of bedrooms. Yeah, and so there's this, there's lots of corners, lots of space that something could be happening in. Yeah, and they 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 condition you as you were saying based on some of the ways they move the camera. Sometimes I noticed yeah. they'll just do like a pan over, nothing happens. Yeah, but yeah. the fact that they move the camera puts you on edge. Right, to make you look at this corner or look at this door open doorway or or something like that. And then it's like, well, can't see anything there, but that doesn't mean that nothing's there. Right. Yeah. And so you start that they they give you these deep spaces and they give you these open doors and you start just drilling into them uh-huh. looking all around looking at everything instead of the way a lot of places a lot of movies do it where they position the camera inside the unknown space and like they look out at the people who are looking in if that makes sense yeah 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 and i never really find that scary because yeah. you are now in the position of the thing that is unknown so right that space is more or less been disarmed by the fact that you are you as a viewer are now in it Right, right. The thing the thing that your eye is being drawn to is back to the character we already know about and the character that doesn't scare us. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you can't be you can't be afraid that something might be behind the door if you are in the room. Right. And can if see you behind are behind the door. The door. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um like Black Christmas, the guy looking through the thing in the door. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's yeah. inside the room. You're looking. Yeah. So yes, it's. Uh, I, I'm always surprised how few movies do that because it's yeah. always inside looking out. It's very rarely outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, and this this movie, there's definitely a couple shots in this where they do put you in the point of view of a potential invisible man, kind mm-hmm. of following her through spaces. Which I actually think for this movie works really well mm-hmm. because there's the question of are we currently seeing the world from the Invisible Man's point of view yeah. or is this just a clever way to make us feel like she's being followed at all times? Yeah, they have um, <clears throat> they good use of like a voyeuristic kind of camera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where that's that's a good way of putting it. Looking through a couple things yes. at her or... Yeah. And sometimes it's could be invisible. Yeah, man or like point the camera is a little unsteady, so it yep. does feel a little bit like your actual view of like just looking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you how do you feel about the? I think this movie is structured and constructed very well. Uh huh. I think the first half, basically the beginning up through when she gets arrested for her sister's murder. Yeah. I think they set those pieces up very very well. Mm-hmm. to uh, make the turn work when she's confronted by and she sees how she's been set up and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you feel about <clears throat> the how much they give you and how quickly they give you the Invisible Man? So it's far, mm-hmm. going from like the flame coming up off the stove right. through when she throws the paint on him, which is yeah. A plus, A yeah, plus jump scare. Through, uh, my, my favorite, I think my favorite in the whole movie might be the bedroom scene when she's in bed with uh, sleeping next to Sydney yes. and he pulls the covers off and he's taking pictures and you see the camera flash and then she's yeah. trying to pull the, the bed sheets and, and you see the feet on the, on the blanket slowly walking forward. Yep. That stuff is great. Yep. And then is gone by the time James comes into the room. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I, I think I think they pace the Invisible Man stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they do a good job of kind of like in, like we were saying in the beginning, uh, leaving the hints and, and 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 sowing these little feelings of doubt and 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 misapprehension and and, mm-hmm. and paranoia that makes you think like, is it just her? Is it actually somebody? And then it transitions pretty quickly where you're like, okay, no, it's somebody. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's or she she if we're seeing it through her point of view, she's seeing somebody. Yeah. And then pretty quickly, like, no, it's definitely somebody. You know, like in the scene where uh he slaps Sydney, the teenage girl. Oh yes, yeah. Like you see it from Cecilia's point of view, and she is too far away yeah. to have done that. Like she's just she's in the wrong position. She's just, it just could not have possibly been her. No one else is in the room. So you know as the audience for sure that she did not do that. Right. Um, And then I feel like that's kind of the point at which it starts to escalate. Mm -hmm. Because then pretty soon after that, she's left alone in the house. We get the attic scene where she tosses the paint. We actually see that there is a figure there. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I, I think it paces him out pretty well. I think I take issue with like two things Mm -hmm. 
Um, first of all, why was his cell phone in the attic? Very good question. Was it yeah. just to lure her up there? That that element. Was it that he was hiding up there? I honestly don't know. That element of the plot I do find to be a bit wonky. I think it's Yeah, like it, it it's another one it's another example of those things I think we both talk about or at least I know I talk about a lot where it's like I feel like the writers or the director just loved the idea of having her up in the attic. Like, oh, she's going to be up in the attic right. and she while she's there, she's going to think she hears him, she's going to find the paint. And she's going to toss the paint and we're mm-hmm. going to see him outlined for the first time and know for sure that she's not crazy. Even even in that attic scene where yeah. it's, it's different than the rest of the house because it's very dark. Mm. But they still managed to do the same sort of deep space thing in a way that I wasn't oh, expecting. Yeah. Because she's got that flashlight and, yeah. you know, it's all dark behind her. <clears throat> and generally you expect her to turn around and see something like very close. Yeah. But she turns around with the flashlight and you see how much deeper the attic is. And it's really kind of, uns- I don't know why it's so unsettling, but it's like yeah. they show you a deep room, not like well, she's- Well, and it's not cluttered. Right. Like it's not like, it's not like the attic in Black Christmas where right, there's like right. creepy rocking chairs and, and, and anchors just waiting to be swung into your face. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's low. She can't fully mm-hmm. stand up in it. It's very dark- but there's not a lot up there. So it's just like the, again, it plays with that concept of absence. Mm-hmm. Like the absence of anything is much more frightening than if they had put a jump scare, like, you know, a face right, right. next to your face thing. Right. It's, it's much more unsettling to be like, I know. Cause like, you know, that feeling when you can feel somebody looking at you. Right. Or you can feel that somebody else is in the room but you cannot see them or you're not sure. That's like, why you got to always wear sunglasses so no one can ever tell. No one can ever tell where you're looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like that feeling, we all get it. And sometimes we get sometimes we get it and we're right. And sometimes we get it and we're wrong. Mm. It's like that, that feeling of being home alone and creeping yourself out. And like that's what that whole attic scene is in that moment. It's sure. just like that the psychological aspect of is she just creeping herself out. But yeah. I still... I still stumble over the reasoning of why he would leave his cell phone up there. Yeah, I think that's probably the weakest part of this movie is there's some of that stuff where it's like held up to too much scrutiny doesn't totally work. It's like it's the kind of stuff that you kind of have to go. "Eh, It doesn't really matter. Like like the attic thing, right? Yeah. This time I was watching it. And maybe I, I think there's a level of immersion that you get at the theater that maybe you don't get at home. Yeah. Because I don't remember thinking this as I was watching the theater, but as I was watching it at home, I was thinking, she needs to use a pretty tall ladder to get up into that attic. <laughs> Good thing is, she bought one. <laughs> yeah. Is this guy in his invisible suit, like, yes. put, jumping to push that door up and then, like, right. ninja warrioring himself into the attic just to yeah. hang. Like, how's he getting Climbing up there? Climbing the salmon ladder to get up there. Yeah, that ladder wasn't always there. Maybe he's not hanging up. Maybe he used the ladder, too. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. But there's a few of those things, like, does that suit have pockets? How come <laughs> How come nobody yeah. saw a floating knife walk into that restaurant? Right. You know, does yeah, he, like, yeah. tuck it Can under his like, arm or something? I mean, I, I guess it works if it does have, like, a pouch. Because it seems like it's those little cameras on the on yeah. the exterior of the suit that that do the thing. 
But yeah, even the fact that like all of these little camera lenses are waterproof. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I mean, I guess if he if he has the expertise to make this suit in the first place, then sure, why why wouldn't he be able to make it waterproof? Yeah. But I it, I think that my thing is with these kinds of things in this movie is that this movie it's a horror movie that has absolutely zero supernatural elements Mm -hmm. there's no demonic elements there is no fantasy really to this except like i guess you could just say like the near future advance of technology you mean optics optics when that that's one of my favorite things is that a plus he works in optics a plus because (laughs) what do you not need to know how that suit works. All yeah. you need to know is Optics. that it is that it exists. Yes. Adrian Griffin is a, a optics super, genius. Optics genius. That's yep. all you need. Yep. The Steve Jobs of optics. If they had tried to explain it, it would have been terrible. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you. No, no, no. But I, I totally agree. But like, I, I, I think that's actually pretty realistic. Like, we don't really think about how our you know, like I have a car that I can set it so that if I start drifting into the next lane, mm-hmm. it beeps and it course corrects me back into the lane. I think about that a lot, actually. And I'm going to go into an old man corner for a second. Sure. I really don't like those because <laughs> I think that having all those sensors is uh-huh. going to uh, breed a generation of drivers who rely on them too much. I don't know if you've been driving <clears throat> at all recently, but people don't rely on them and they need them fair but i guess my my thought <laughs> no, process is if you have a yeah. camera that looks out the back of your car you're gonna stop turning your head to look and eventually that camera's not gonna work and you're gonna kill somebody sure 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 or no, like I get if it. your seat buzzes to know if you're drifting or something and you that's yeah. what you end up relying on and that breaks you're gonna drift and kill somebody but anyway but i, I guess all i was you know let me more generally just say there are plenty of things in our lives sure. that we just accept. Yes. It's yes. technology. We don't know how it works. We don't need it to be explained. If people start explaining it to us, it, it almost just like sounds silly in real life. Magnets. How do they work? No idea. <laughs> so I, I, I like that this movie doesn't go into that. I think part of my problem, though, is that everything in this movie is very reality based. Sure. Like there's, okay. there's, there is like, it's all very solid. It's very real life. It's very, um, as close to the actual world as it can get. Mm-hmm. So when there are these moments of like, wait, what, how mm-hmm. they stand out really strongly to me because so much of it rings true. Yeah. Like emotionally and, and just functionally, like the fact that she has to run away and like, tries to hide where she's living mm-hmm. but he still finds out right and it's like that's realistic that happens all the time and it, it's scary but it but it happens mm-hmm. and you can understand how or why or like you know how he might have done that how he might have figured out where she was living like so i guess when we hit these things where it's like why is his cell phone just sitting in the attic how did he get that kitchen knife into this restaurant right how did he super casually just like show up in the extremely secure mental health facility that she's been locked up in? Mm-hmm. Like he, I, I get once he gets in there that he can just walk around because he's invisible, but it's like all the doors in this kind of place are typically locked with like a keypad or a key card. Yeah. Was he just going to hang out in there all night with her while she was sleeping? Right. 
Yeah, there's just there's some there's some moments like that. Well, like how did how did he get in her room? Like, is he just like a ninja and he's really good at sneaking through doors? Yeah, I guess you know there's really solid rubber soles on that suit. Make sure you don't make any noise. He didn't accidentally bump into anybody. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I I think I think it's one of those things where um, I don't know if you've heard this. I I think it's generally like a screenwriting guideline or something where it's like. Um, the best stories mm-hmm. like this have are are like normal life, and you get you get one fantastical element. Yeah, two fantastical elements, everything falls apart. But yeah. like in this one, normal life, guy has a suit that lets him turn invisible. Yes, if guy had a suit that let him turn invisible, and there was also werewolves, doesn't work. You know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think if, it's, if Zeus the dog started talking halfway through the movie, right. it would be like, nope. Yeah, then you're watching uh, Antichrist. <laughs> um, Yours is the sword of Michael. <laughs> Chaos reigns. <laughs> um, but I think I think this is a really good example of that kind of story where it's like there's this one element that's fantastical. Yeah, and it your suspension of disbelief is enough that. Whatever they do, you're kind of along the ri- along for the ride. Like you're saying, yeah. is this thing waterproof? I don't know, but yeah. it looks awesome <laughs> yeah. when it's in the rain. Yes. Technically, I guess it wouldn't matter because he's already glitching out. Maybe it's not waterproof because he's glitch. I love yeah. that special effect of when he's glitching out. Yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it actually looks really good. And it does. I feel like it could have looked very hokey. Yeah, I think 10 to 15 years ago, Oh, that's God. a much worse special effect. Oh man, like the 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 2005 version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And it's and <laughs> it's it's one of those things where if you actually look what the effect is, it, it probably was difficult to do, but yeah. it's not flashy. It's yeah. just there's these hexagonal camera things in the suit and some of them are glitching out. Yep. So sometimes you see the suit, sometimes you don't and it yeah. happens in different places. There's not yeah. like a you know, he doesn't look like the predator and like a visible predator thing. <laughs> right, or a, right. Where he's just like kind of a, a weird refracted yeah. like figure. Yeah. It works really well. It's really effective. I also have you ever heard of something called um tripophobia? No, but I I can tell from the phobia part that it's a fear of something. It is. And it's I I had come across this a couple times in the not too uh, recent past. Mm. And um, so I wonder if it's just like something that people, s- creatives have like latched onto recently as, as something to use in, in stories. Uh-huh. Um, but the suit made me think of this because trypophobia is the fear of clusters of small holes. And it's usually, oh. it's usually organic in nature. So it's like, it's a lot of times it's like skin. So if you see skin that has like a cluster of small holes, yeah, there's this weird fear that people have. I don't know what it is. I I feel like I've experienced it to a certain extent sometimes where mm. you you know you see a picture or something you're not really it. I don't know. It's just a weird, yeah, uncanny kind of like creepy sure, body horror sure. type thing. And the suit reminds me of that because it it has this appearance of just being made entirely of like clusters of holes. Right. And so I was wondering, I don't know if, you know, I'd I'd, I'd maybe want to ask the designer or something, but I wonder if (laughs) that's in, was in, in the mind of the design of that suit because even the suit itself is disturbing 
in a right. very it's not like a monster it's just no. it's a mechanical suit but has that strange you know tripe of tripophobic design to it right that just triggers something where it's like even though this is a mechanical suit i find it disturbing that's really interesting because it kind of goes back to the idea of i think it's tripophobia it'll be tripophobia t-r-y-p-o i'm not sure i I have no idea tripo tripo either one um but i feel like it goes back to that what i was talking about how the absence of something Mm -hmm. is is the fear like that means that the suit itself is built of absence Right. You know? Yeah. And at the same time, it's also built of eyes. That too. So yeah. she's being constantly watched by it's this like, suit covered in thousands of little mechanical eyes. Is, isn't there a... What's the... Is it an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where Carl gets turned into in all eyes or something? Yes. Uh, is that, that happens? I think so. Yeah. I, I can't mean, exactly <laughs> you is, can't but. ask that happens because in that show, it probably yes. did. The yeah. question is more... Are we actually remembering it the way it happened? Yeah, I think it's something like that because yeah. I remember him walking away and just screaming every time he stepped because he's got <laughs> eyes on his feet. That sounds right. But yeah, you're right. It's it's yeah. also eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a great design. Absolutely. I, I also find the ending a very satisfying monster kill when yes. he's beating the shit out of James and then she very... Uh, assertively comes in, mm-hmm. blasts him with the fire extinguisher, and then just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, and I I liked that too because I was genuinely surprised by the twist that it's the brother in the mm. suit. Yeah, like I actually was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. So when it happened, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> like like it made me rethink what had happened previously. And it made me kind of wonder, like, okay, is this really a movie about, instead of it being, she's being stalked by her abusive ex-boyfriend, is it about his brother trying to take some weird form of revenge Mm because he blames her for his death? Is it about the brother trying to drive her crazy so that he gets to keep the money? Mm. Like, it made me sort of be like, wait a minute, what's happening? And then it cuts to um, the emergency services or, or police or whoever finding Adrian, the actual ex, tied up in his own house. Mm. Um, and then I, uh, yeah, it was. I, I feel like that that twist there was kind of effective. And I also like that they never strictly spell out for you like, well, it was right. Tom in these moments, but mm-hmm. it was Adrian in these moments, like. If it's it was, hinted at, yeah. it's kind of like he heavily implies via his very specific word choice in their final conversation that he definitely had something to do with all of it. Mm-hmm. But you never know for sure. What what does he what does he say? I don't remember exactly. He's like uh so so it's it's at the very end when Cecilia has gone back to the house mm-hmm. um to sort of have the final confrontation with Adrian and he's he's playing uh innocent sure about the whole thing and then uh he he says like well he's like staring right at her and he's like well it couldn't have come as much of a surprise and Mm. that's like the creepy text she got from an unknown number to her phone was just the word surprise right and whoever was in the suit at the 
hospital said yep. that to her. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I actually didn't catch that the first time. Good. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 like his way of indirectly saying like at least some of this was. Yeah. Because I, you know, I do think. Do you like the ambiguity of the ending? Because I think it's it really makes you th- rethink, like you were saying, a lot of what you saw because there's never a clear uh, indication as to what exactly the plot is, really. Because if yeah. it's if Adrian's not involved, then the plot is seems to be Tom trying to get her to go crazy so he can get the money. Yeah. Um, but if Adrian is involved, then it's like, I guess, just revenge. So it's like well, they... Well, I think it's more complicated than that. I, I, I think that's that... That's true. It's a control thing. Yeah. It is. I, I think that's exactly what it is. I, I think in the end, it, it goes back to that element of she left him and he can't accept that. Right. Because he feels as though she belongs to him. Mm-hmm. Which means that he has control over her. He decides. He decides when the relationship's over. He decides if the relationship is ever over. He decides everything about her life. And I think that that's really what the whole thing was about. And I think that Adrian was involved. Like, I use my little, like, threading the word surprise through everything Mm. as my evidence. But I, I really think that... Even some of the stuff that Cecilia says to the brother Tom about like, um, you're you you're just another version of your brother without the spine. Right, right. Uh, he always controlled you, like this kind of stuff. Where it's it's, she pretty much spells out that she doesn't think he could come up with this plan yeah. without the brother. Yeah. And then the twist of uh, her being pregnant. Right. And he wants the baby. Yep. And I think that's ultimately what it's about is like he gets her pregnant to control her and to keep her. And then having the baby, there's an ego thing about like, this is my child. I'm this optics genius. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, so if it's my child, then this child will be great and exceptional. And it's your duty to be its mother. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, oh, it all changed when you're the mother of his child. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I think I think the ambiguity works at the end because it's ambiguous about when it was Adrian versus when it was Tom. Mm. I don't think it's actually all that ambiguous about the fact that it was at some points Adrian. Yeah, as um, when we were watching it last night, we were watching it with a couple of our friends, uh, one of whom I had seen it with in the theater, so we had both yeah. seen it before. And she pointed out something that I hadn't thought about, but I feel like actually is a really smart way to handle this, which is we we all kind of remarked on when whoever's in the suit shows up at the hospital, uh-huh. he's acting very erratic. He's not yes. trying to hide, him, hide himself at all. Yeah. He's just, you know, enjoying having the suit on and panicking kind of uh-huh. in a way that he had not done up to that point. Yeah. And once they reveal who's in the suit, I, uh, I think Meredith pointed out that it's actually the implication kind of is it's Tom in the suit at, right. at the, in that second part. And Tom is acting more erratically than Adrian is. Adrian right. is, is... He's the cold calculating yeah. one. 
Whereas Tom is like the little brother playing with a fun new toy. Yeah, which which explains a change in attitude, which you need for that part of the story because you yes. need the ball to start rolling. Yeah, yeah, that whole like the violent confrontation and all of that stuff that yeah. starts happening that feels so different from the way the Invisible Man behaves at the beginning. Yeah. Where he's all about like mind games and stealth and being clever, like being more clever than everybody around him. Mm-hmm. And then it pivots to this sort of like, yeah, no, I'm going to like fight with these deputies or, right. <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I, I think that I like that the movie hints heavily enough that Adrian is guilty mm. because it makes what Cecilia does feel just mm. rather than just her having also kind of given up on morality and and decided to go to the dark side to get revenge. Instead, it feels like an act of justice where she knows the legal system around her is not going to protect her. So she chooses to protect herself. I love the way uh, James plays it when he sees what's going on. Like he's just got this, like you can see five different emotions on his face being like, well, there's nothing I can do about this. Yep. Clearly I, this guy was bad. Uh, you know, she just killed a guy, but was it warranted? Like he's, you can see all of this stuff going right, through his head. Right. It's, he's it's a very good performance. By the Absolutely. Guy. And you can tell he's, he's thinking about the totality of what has happened. Mm-hmm. So it includes Adrian's horrible treatment of Cecilia, but it also includes the fact that Adrian and or Tom attacked his daughter. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as a father, he's like, I have to protect my family. And this guy came after my family, too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and I even love when he says to her, like, you never came here intending to get him to admit anything on tape, did you? Mm. And she was just like, he's a very sick man. And he <laughs> did a very sad thing. And it was like, damn. One of the other little um, logic details that stood out to me this time, too, was... uh so after she kills him in the suit, she yes. comes out of the bathroom and starts screaming and stuff. And she calls nine one one. And I know she very specifically doesn't say who she is. Uh huh. And she just says that someone I'm with killed themselves. And yeah. then she leaves. And the implication seems to be she's trying to get out of there before the the, the ambulance gets there. Yeah. But she herself points out that there's a video camera there. Yes. So she very clearly is on the video camera. Like you even see her on the camera. Yeah. So it's like they're gonna figure out who was there when it happened eventually. But yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I agree. I think that's very much that's very much done for the sort of dramatic effect of getting her to walk out and oh, have to course. explain yes. herself to James, and then she yes. her yeah. dramatic hero walk away. Yeah, it's just one of those like little things. Where it's like, well, yeah. It's dr- dramatic license more than yeah. it's, why is the phone in the attic? I don't know because it's cool, it's fun, right? Yeah. Right. Whereas in this one, you could see the you know they they see her on the camera and they come to her house or wherever she's staying the next day and they say, "You were there. Why did you leave?" And she could be like, "I panicked. Sure. Uh, he's my abusive ex. I thought he was dead, and then it turns out he was alive. His brother tormented me. I'm pregnant. Like, mm-hmm. and then they'd all be like, "Well, add all that together with the fact that you were also falsely imprisoned, and then also we have it on videotape that he very, very clearly on tape slits his own throat." Yeah, we're very sorry, Miss. Yeah, that's. <laughs> well, what's also interesting 
A lot, um, lot of own throat slitting in this movie. Yeah. What, what's also interesting, and this is, I feel like, a, one of my narrative cone things. Mm. I feel like one of the questions you can come away from, because at the end of this movie, she gets released. Yes. Because Tom clearly was yeah. doing whatever. But they also, and they kind of talk about this in, in, I think James mentions this. They kind of admit to the fact that this invisible man suit exists. Like this is now technology that yeah. is present in the world. They, yes. The people who, the security guards who worked at that uh, hospital got beat yeah, up by Yeah, it. they even say like we have tons of corroborating <clears throat> witnesses in yeah. the hospital. So I don't know. If I was a detective looking into the death of Adrian, yeah. I'd be like, huh. Almost because like an invisible man cut his throat open. <laughs> and, uh, Cecilia didn't seem to be in the room when it happened. We know this technology exists. Maybe we should talk to her. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that I I think that's true. But I think at the same time, all she would have to do is like, uh, I mean, you know, officer, do whatever you need to do. Search yeah. my house. Yeah. Question me. Search Adrian's house. And so long as she, like, you know, fucking threw it in the ocean or burnt it or whatever, they're just that. that. No, you don't. You keep that. You keep the suit. If people are coming to look for it, you put it in the closet, you turn it on. (laughs) But, like, I mean, that's like one of those. I say it's a narrative cone thing because it's like all of those questions are outside the the edges of the cone. Like, that's stuff that if you really want to get into it, you can. Oh, yeah. They open that door, like, they cross that barrier just to clean up the story at the end yes but like anything that happens after the credits roll doesn't matter right right no i mean i i would say most of the stuff if not all of the stuff we've both been picking on Mm -hmm. while we've been talking about this movie we are just we are being very picky yeah oh yeah like like as usual when whenever we hit a good movie Mm -hmm. we have to nitpick to try and find shit to talk about yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, pointing it out for the sake of doing it. It doesn't actually bother it doesn't actually bother me that at all. Yeah, but. no, I, I I really I think the phone being in the attic was the only thing that bothered me. Mm. Everything else I was willing to roll with. The phone being in the attic, I was just like I would just love a throwaway explanation of yeah. why. There's some there's some conveniences like Yeah. Was getting her to run out of the house. I guess getting her to run out of the house and getting caught on camera was part of the plan. You know, uh, I, I setting her know up. If that really was if or if it was just convenient. Just convenient, yeah. Just convenient, and it showed she was alone. Yeah, I guess I think that's the thing. Is like if yeah. you if you assume that everything that she did was going according to their plan, I think yeah. it's, I think it's tough to track. But if if you assume that everything that she did and all her reactions were just that's just how she reacted and yeah. it worked for them because it makes her look crazy. Then I think, okay, yeah. If the plan was, let's get her to look convincingly crazy and then frame her for her sister's murder. Yes. Then I think that's that makes sense. I'm guessing that was the plan. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's it. I uh, to answer your, I don't know if it was an actual question at the beginning, but um, seeing in the theater was fantastic. It's a really Mm -hmm. good theater movie. Um, I think. Especially a movie like this where you are forced to really uh, l- draws you into those spaces. Yeah. When you're isolated in the theater, when you there's all that's in front of you is the screen. That yep. stuff works really, really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of made me think um, when we were watching it, I was I was kind of bummed 
have not seen it in the theater because it reminded me of uh, A Quiet Place. Yes, yes. In that it is a very specific sensory gimmick that gets to you as an audience member. And I can see it working better in the theater than it does when you're just like at home on your couch Mm -hmm. and you like, you know, you pick up your phone because like you got a notification on your phone. You saw it light up. So you're like, oh, what is that? Who's that guy? I got to look him up. Right, right. Or I'm kind of thirsty. I'm going to go grab some water. I'm going to go grab, you know, whatever. Like I can see this movie in a more closed context like really forcing you to pay attention Mm. even in those quiet scenes even in those like nothing's really there scenes uh and i think some some of that felt like it must have been lost doing it at home yeah it it didn't i mean it's a little bit of that and a little bit of i i had seen it so i kind of remembered a lot of the i remembered surprisingly few of the gags actually yeah um so a lot of them still worked, but some of them I was like, yeah, I, I remember that clearly. And, and uh, yeah, it's not quite the same experience. That's why yeah, I'm really happy that theaters are starting to open up again because it really is a different experience. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, 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 you know, this is a whole other conversation, but I <laughs> many times, especially in college, I'd be like, let's go see this movie in the theater because it's playing at whatever midnight movie. And my friends yeah. would be like, Why? You have that on DVD, and I'm like, yeah, yeah it's not the same it's thing. It's not the same as as somebody who religiously goes and sees Jaws every summer in mm-hmm. whatever local indie theater is playing it. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> I love Jaws. I've seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two a oh, hundred nice. times. Yeah, I've seen I think both of them in the theater at this point. Yeah, uh, maybe like midway through last year. It, uh, during the pandemic, uh, we went to see it at the drive-in. It was a double feature oh, of Evil Dead and cool. Evil Dead 2. Totally different experience. That's you know? awesome. That's a perfect drive-in movie. Oh, fantastic. Oh, my God. I Let's may... do drive-ins this summer. Oh, I, I want to do everything this summer. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember. I know I've talked about this before, but I can't remember on what show. But uh, it, was, it was really funny because Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 together uh-huh. tops three hours. Like it's wow. Evil Dead One yeah, is yeah, like probably eighty something minutes. Yeah. Evil Dead Two probably about like an hour forty. Yeah, there was like a fifteen minute break in between. Yeah, so we were in and out fairly quickly. On the other screen at the drive-in was a back-to-back of two Harry Potter movies. Oh my god! And each one of those is like two hours and twenty-five yeah. minutes. <laughs> so I I feel like when we were leaving, yeah, it was like the credits for the second movie. The opening credits had like just rolled for the second wow. movie, and I was like, <laughs> "You asshole!" Yeah, <laughs> Who, like that's a movie like Evil Dead and Evil. It's per- perfect drive-in movies. Yes, Harry Potter movies, not so much. Especially because you, you got to imagine in a pandemic and you have children. I can absolutely see doing it. Yeah, I, but I was gonna say, especially if you have kids, though, it's so late. You know, and it's like then they're just going to sleep in tomorrow, and you get yeah. to sleep in. Or I mean, I guess if I'm they sure fall Wes, asleep in the where's car, where's Wes? Yeah. Wes yeah, would yeah, probably back kids. me up on this. <laughs> some with kids to take their kids to the drive-in. We'll get Dave to bring yeah. the kids to the drive-in and see what happens. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but yeah, I think that's unless you had anything else, I think that's going to do it for Invisible Man. I mean, I, I don't want to go off in too too big of a thing because we've already sure. been talking for quite a bit. But I'm curious, do you think of this as a horror movie? Ooh, interesting. Um. I would say yes. Yeah. I would say it is 
Like, because if you want to get really, spe- it's probably more of a sci-fi movie. If yeah. If you really want to get specific about it. But I feel like it is playing in the horror playground. Because like I was yeah. saying, it it feels more, it's almost more like a ghost movie at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so it feels like a horror movie more than it does a sci-fi movie. So I would I would say so. See, for me, I'm not against calling it a horror movie, but I mm-hmm. do think it that it is this interesting melding of genres mm. because it is kind of it's it's a bit of a horror movie, it's a bit of a sci-fi movie, it's a bit of a psychological thriller. Sure, yeah. Um, and I just think it's interesting that it is because of the level of paranoia it it espouses um we're kind of willing to accept it as a horror movie despite the fact that there aren't a ton of jump scares mm. uh there's no monster per se there is and there yeah. isn't there, yeah. there's there's no demonic or supernatural right. influence right. he's not a mass murderer like he's he's you know, a, a guy. Mm. There's no supernatural anything to him. Yeah. Which I just, I just think it's interesting because, like, this does very much feel like a horror movie to me. Yeah. But when I thought about it, like when I was, I was describing it to somebody, and I was like, yeah, this kind of just sounds like a like a psychological thriller if you strip out some of the work they do in like with the environment with the ambiance. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um... I'd be curious to see where Wes comes down on that because I know I feel like he would say no. Yeah, because I know he has a very he usually goes with supernatural. Yeah, or with no without supernatural, it's it's not doesn't count as horror. So yeah, I'd be curious to see. I don't know if he's seen it, but I'll, I'll ask him when we talk tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I think that's gonna do it. Uh, oh, uh, it is number nine on our list. Do you yeah. think that this is? I guess <sighs> I should say what I usually say, which is. Is the placement deserved? Should it be higher? Should it be lower? Or should it be removed from the list entirely? So I'm good with it on the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it's doing something interesting and modern with a concept that's been around for a while, Mm. which I think is really cool. Uh, Do I think it should be top 10? No. It's like, an aggressive I, placement. Yeah, yeah. No, if you told me top 50, I'd be like, yeah, okay, top 100, definitely, sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's there are so many. I mean, I would argue, I find, you, you said now A Quiet Place is one spot up on the list from it. Number 10, yes. Um, I find A Quiet Place scarier. Like, okay. in terms of... Just a vis a visceral reaction to what's mm. happening on screen. There's mm-hmm. more jump scares. There's more like uh, actiony like tension and stress. It's it, to that movie. This movie is a lot more quiet. It's a lot. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Not literally quiet, but like pacing. Quiet lots. place. Ironically, very loud. Very loud. Invisible <laughs> man. Very quiet. Very quiet. Mm. Um, but because this movie is so psychological. And and so much so much of what makes it frightening is the way you think about things and your perception. I don't find it as it, it's scary when you think about it. It's mm. not scary when you sit and just watch it. Like mm. her just like walking around the house, being like, "Where are you? Come out!" 
is less scary than Emily Blunt trying with all of her might to not scream when she's about to give birth. Yeah. That's interesting. I think I would go the other way with this. I think I Mm. find this one to be scarier than A Quiet Place because I feel like it's so relatable in this. Yeah. Where in A Quiet Place, it's still convoluted monster rules, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, fair. Whereas in this one, you are doing so much work as the viewer. You are bringing so much to it. Like if if, yeah. the, if the Invisible Man was a ghost movie, mm. I probably would have left a lot of the lights on in my house the night I came home because like <laughs> it's got it. I yeah, like like yeah. with the innkeepers, those types of movies work really well on me. The ones where they yeah. force you to do a lot of work. Gotcha. And Quiet Place never really gets that for me because it's not quite the same with the sound stuff whereas this is a very visual movie obviously yeah but um, no i i I totally i totally understand that i I think there's a good argument to be made in either direction yeah you know like i'm I'm not i don't i'm not trying to say that this movie isn't scary um i guess i'm just saying I, i i don't really feel like it's top 10 yeah scary. no i no i don't think so I, I don't think quiet places either but that's fair i don't either <laughs> uh where would i put this on the list Ugh. um i mean if you if you told me this was like somewhere between 100 and 120 yeah i'd be pretty comfortable with that if you also if you said it was 82 i'd be like yeah all right yeah i wouldn't hate that but i, I, I don't know there's I, just it feels like it should be over 100 to me. Yeah. I don't know if it necessarily has to be that far over 100. Well, like I'm I'm seeing you scroll through right now and you're in the one 120s, 130s mm-hmm. and I just saw the Exorcist. Right. The yeah. Omen. It's <laughs> like, not it's not a battle we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we go by our rule, The Shining is 113. Jesus. Would I put Invisible Man Higher is Invisible Man a scarier movie than The Shining? Uh, no. Is it a scarier movie than The Thing? No, I would not put it <laughs> higher than The Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really good. Like I No, I do no, think... I mean we we are we are being harsh again in our in our judgments, yeah. but in my list if if I had to reshuffle this these movies, I bet it would probably be around 100 it might even make it into the 90s yeah yeah i feel like anywhere from 90 to like 120 yeah i feel like i wouldn't argue hard against any of those yeah i think so i think that sounds good to me so yeah it's going to end our coverage of the the invisible man what are we doing next time hopefully in the sequel (laughs) we can get john cena to show up (laughs) uh i hit the randomizer next time we're going to japan baby yes we will be doing number 165. Hold on to your butts for this one. We're doing audition. Yes. Get your nicest dog bowl, fill it with human puke. Yep, my hypodermic needle is ready. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. I am pumped. That, you know, not to, not to give too much away, but <laughs> audition's one of those movies where I heard so much about it. Yes. 
And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then I watched it, much like The Devils. And I was like, yeah. this is a really good movie. Yes. Even on top of all the crazy shit. It's like, it's a yeah. legitimately good movie. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a lot. It, this is this is one I'm going to be watching alone. Like, Yeah, like I don't my, know if Greg can do this one. <laughs> my husband is not going to be on board for this one. I will maybe, tell you right maybe now. Maybe we do a night where you come over and we'll watch it yeah. and we'll send the spouses out somewhere else because <laughs> Caitlin's not going to want to watch that one either. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this one's not for the weak of stomach. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Um, if you want to give us – don't give us a rating or review. Tell your friends to listen to the show. Come hang out with us. Yeah. Leave us some comments on YouTube or wherever yeah. you happen to listen to it. That'd be great. Uh, if you want to, if you want to join our Patreon, the Penske File Patreon, uh, Amanda and I are going through the Friday the Thirteenth series because none of these those movies are going to be on this <laughs> list anytime soon. And uh, we've got one through five available right now. And this month, in or next month, we'll be doing. Oh wait, five didn't. I didn't. Click, I don't think I put five up yet. So maybe when this comes out, five will be up. But anyway. Yeah. It's, if it's May, part five is out. If yes. it's June, part six is coming. Yes. Um, part six, Jason lives. Hooray. Because it was the final chapter in part four, and then it was a new beginning. Yes. And now he's back to life. So Absolutely. It uh, all makes very logical sense. Yes, yes. But uh, thank you guys for listening, Amanda. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Clay. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, everyone.